Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So who thinks they're going to have the best Christmas ever? Kids, do you think you're going to have the greatest Christmas ever? I mean, it's just going to be so good. We're in a you know strong economy right now. You're feeling pretty confident. So... It's good, right? <laughs> Just call it what it is. Uh, it's it's going to be a great year, right? You're going to have a good Christmas. Is Santa bringing somebody something awesome? Who, do, you, do you feel pretty good about Santa coming this year? Have you been good this year? Oh, man. Man, some of the parents are going, it's up in the air. It's 50-50. We'll see. Uh, there may be... There may be cold, there may be... No. So we get excited about Christmas, right? Christmas is a wonderful time of year. Our, 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 the, like the joy comes and it feels so good. How many of you adults are like, man, I just feel like a kid every year at Christmas time. It's like, oh man, you just get excited. We hope and we wait and we're praying for that white Christmas that never comes because we live in Dallas. So you, know, so you go, nah, we just gave up on that one a long time ago. And we just go, one day, we're just, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. You know, so we, I have the, I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. So Christmas is a joyful time of year for me. I remember as a kid, things always were just like Christmas was perfect, right? And I remember one time when I was real little, my mom is from Wisconsin. And so from time to time when I was younger, we would go to Wisconsin for Christmas. So as a kid, I've had some white Christmases and it's awesome. Now, when you're only like five or six and you go to Wisconsin for a white Christmas, your chest deep in snow because you walk out and it's like, and then you go, could somebody help me out of here? Because this is as far as I made it. I jump off the the porch and then, okay, we've done the snow. And then you come back in because it's so much snow. It's awesome. Right. And so it was just a great memory. I remember as a kid, I remember one time I got this present and my parents had bought me this little motorized airplane and it was on these almost like a kite string kind of thing. And I could tilt it back and forth to raise and lower because it would adjust the wings as I pulled it. And so I remember the first time I was actually going to use it. Little did I know I had completely knotted up all the string really bad. And I was hanging out with my dad at the church that day. And he's like, Hey, you can go play. The problem was my dad had to spend the entire day instead of working and doing things at the church. He literally sat in his office and like unknotted this string. And this is where it gets really good. I mean, we're talking hours. He had a, like a person came for like a, a counseling meeting or something of that nature. And literally while he's talking with them, he is fixing this toy for me because he's a good dad. And so then we go outside and I'm going to use it. Finally, we get it done. We're ready to go. And he's like, all right. And he does it. And he flies around. He shows me how to do it. And I was like, okay. And I go, bang, it shatters the whole thing. Literally in like four minutes of me playing with this thing, the toy was destroyed and I never got, he spent his whole day fixing this thing. And then I broke it for good in, in a matter of like 30 seconds. It was, it's a really great Christmas memory, right? So, but I remember as a kid, Christmas was so great. I just have so many memories of having the tree. And we always had a real tree when I was little and you know, it's like crazy. And then like sap gets everywhere. My dad loved it. It was very, I'm just kidding. You know, so Christmas was good, but I know this. Christmas is not a wonderful time for every person. And I would be naive to think that everybody always has the perfect Christmas. I'd be naive to think that there is not just hard moments through the holidays for so many people. And and there's so many things connected. And I know that this year, this may be your first Christmas missing a loved one. This may be your first Christmas where, where things didn't go so well this year. 
And that this may be a really difficult year and Christmas may be the hardest thing to think about and to try to swallow or to reconcile as you walk through. Now, I can't stand here today and pretend to know the answers as to why. I can't sit here and pretend to be God and explain to you why some people have a great Christmas and why others don't and why, why really awful people have a good Christmas and why really good people don't. I, I can't pretend to have those answers and I wish I could explain it all, but the reality is at the end of the day, I don't have those answers. Now, I know this morning that we have our kids in here with us and I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm glad that they're in here. So hear me, I'm gonna try to be short and to the point this morning and try to make things happen so that our kids don't just get exhausted of hearing this guy, especially when I start speaking in Greek. And I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. We're not going to speak any Greek today. Maybe. I'm just kidding. But I want to turn our attention to the story of Christmas. And in Luke chapter two, we find the probably the most popular reading of the story of Christmas. So I want to read this morning, verse one through seven, as we talk about Christmas this morning and what it means for us. So in in chapter two, verse one, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And now kids, that would be King David. You've heard the stories, David killed Goliath. So Joseph comes from that lineage. So King David was like his great, 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 a whole lot of great grandfathers. Okay. So then he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for this incredible morning to celebrate the birth of your son, to celebrate Jesus. So this morning, Lord, we pray that my words will be led of you and guided by you as we speak on the subject of the birth of your son. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we go. Real quick recap. We have Caesar Augustus, who's the emperor of the entire Roman world. And he says, man, I really need to know how many people we have living under my reign and under my, and in my kingdom, right? And, and, and so that's a good thing. They needed to know those things for, for road structures. If you know anything about the Roman world, they were very advanced in the way that they were uh, you know, moving forward with, with the world they had. And so they needed to know like for road structures, for taxing purposes, all these different things. And so, so they go to have the census. Now, so Caesar sets this up as something for his own knowledge so that ultimately it would be for his gain. But the Lord sees it and says, no, I need my child. My son is to be born in Bethlehem. So when we read in, in Micah in the Old Testament, it is prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So here we see this prophecy being fulfilled because Caesar says, hey, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, you need everybody to go back to their town and the lineage of their family. And so Joseph's having to go back and he takes Mary with him. They go back to Bethlehem. So that's a cool thing that we see. It, it just kind of a quick prophecy being fulfilled in that moment. But today I want to look deeper or look beyond just the prophecies that are fulfilled. I want to look at it in a practical and in an an applicable way of what does this story mean to us? It's easy for us to maintain, maintain a childlike awe and wonder of Christmas if Christmas has always gone well. 
It's easy to, to get excited and say, oh, I'm in the Christmas spirit if things have always gone well. But if Christmas hasn't been a wonderful time for you, or if Christmas has had some ups and downs and some, some bumps in the road along the way, it's not as appealing always to just go, yes, this year is going to be better. This year is going to be different. This is going to be a great Christmas. It's easy to go, let's just make it through the holidays and get to the other side of it, and let's get into 2020 and, and then make it to the next Christmas and keep moving. But as we look at Christmas today, I want to see that Christmas is meant to be enjoyed by all. It's meant to be enjoyed by everybody. And that doesn't matter what, you, what, your, what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what your current situation is. It doesn't matter what you're heading into in the next year. Christmas was meant for all of us to enjoy. And it is in the sense that Jesus was meant for all of us to enjoy. I think about the first Christmas and I think about the birth of Jesus and, and we see that he wasn't born in a hospital. The odds are there was no doctor or midwife readily available and that just was ready to go, hey, let's make this happen. And, and, and of course, it would be in the worst time possible when they had just traveled for a long distance, according to some, 16 months. Um, for a long time. And then when they get there and it says, and then it was time for the baby to be born. If you're Mary, you're going, could this not have waited or happened before I get on a donkey and I ride all, you know, we assume there was a donkey involved, but we'll get into that at another time, I guess. But, but you know, could we, if you're Mary, you're thinking seriously out here, we don't even have a place to stay. And now, now I'm going to have a baby. Now I'm going to have a baby. So the first Christmas was, was not glamorous, right? It was not this beautiful moment where gold roads paved the way and it was just lit for them all the way to this perfect location where the angels were going to ascend and then the birth of Jesus and then he was going to rise up and the light was going to emit. It was going to be this incredible, beautiful display of God's power and glory of the birth. No, it was, it was not pretty. In fact, it was probably at the worst time and in the worst moment, it was hectic. I'm sure the stress level was through the roof. And, and, and I only imagine that, you know, like you see the whole show when the, the woman's giving birth and she looks at the husband and she's like, you did it, stop it, ready? I doubt that she, I doubt that Mary was like, you did it, like to God, like, you did it. I don't see that happening in this moment, but, but I'm sure it's a very stressful and hectic moment nonetheless. And, and some of you feel like every Christmas is stressful and hectic and, and a little bit inconvenient when it it shows up. But the reality is, is that Christ came for all of us. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is this, is that Christ came as our deliverer. He came as our deliverer. And we see, when we see, uh, kids, you need to know this because you're not in here most of the time. A lot of times I like to talk in and use the original language of the Bible. You need to know this because this is good stuff to know for long term. The Bible was not written in English. Mind blown right now, right? You're like, no way. Yeah, the Bible was written primarily in two languages. In the Old Testament, so we have two parts of the Bible, kids. We have the Old Testament and the, does anybody know what it is? Yes. New Testament. Yes, that's it. And the New Testament was primarily written in the language called Greek. Not all, but mostly in the language of Greek. And so a lot of times I like to go back to the original words of what the author said and then try to dig into their original intent and what they're saying in that moment, in that place and time. And what does that look like for us today? So I do want to look at one small Greek word, and this isn't a hard one, but the word that we say in, in, in the story of Luke, when we read the word Messiah is actually the Greek word Christos. 
Can you guess what word we get from the word Christos? Christ. Yeah, and Messiah. Yeah, that works. All, all of the above. But the word Christ comes from the word Christos. And so we have this word Messiah that we then translate, you know, we would translate to Christ. We call it, we say Messiah. And so we have this word that we use. Now, for us, we look at it and we go, oh, Jesus Christ, right? Because we've read it in English and we see it in this way. And so that's what it means to us. But there is a, a different meaning in the Jewish world in this time in this place, because they were looking to Jesus as when they heard the term Messiah, their mind went to the thought of deliverer because they did not want to be under the Roman control anymore. They wanted to be free and delivered from this Roman world. And so when we look at the the place and time where we're at, they were expecting and hoping for this incredible triumphant entry where Jesus was going to ascend from heaven, blow open the skies, and he was going to come down with this iron fist and take over the Roman world and say, no, we are now our own free people. I'm the Messiah. I have come to deliver our people from the rule in the reign of the Roman world. And so they were hoping for this war hero to come, and yet he is born as a baby. But the idea of Jesus being our deliverer isn't lost on us. The idea of Jesus being our deliverer isn't, isn't something that, that we just push aside and the thought that they had in, in, the, in the Jewish world of, of, of Jesus being our deliverer and as the Messiah. But see, in our world today, we know that there are things that we struggle with and that we fight. There are things that, that we battle against and that, that try to take us down, the temptations that we, we face, the, the difficult situations in life that we walk through. And we see these things and we go, oh, but if there was only hope, if there was only an escape, if there was only only a chance for me to find freedom from this. And there is, we have Jesus. He came as our deliverer. He came to, to give freedom. He came so that you will no longer have to be bound, that you no longer have to be tied down and, and pulled back by the things that so easily entangle us. He came to be our deliverer. The second thing is Christ came for all. He came for all. He, he didn't come for one group of people or another. In fact, in the book of Acts, you see that even Peter kind of wrestled with this thing for a little bit going, well, but didn't he come for the Jews? Didn't he come just for the Jews? And, and, and God, in a moment in the book of Acts, he, he has this, this, this time and this, this conflict with Peter where he has this, this tablecloth, essentially, come down and it rests and it's full of all of these foods that are deemed unclean according to the Jewish law. And, and, and the Lord says, rise, kill and eat. And he's like, I'm not going to do that because he is a, a great man of God. And he's going to stand upright and he's going to tell him no over and over. And, he, and finally, the Lord says, don't call what I have made clean, unclean. And what, what Peter realizes in that moment is that this gospel, this word we have is for all mankind. It's not for one group of people or another. And that is why when the angels came to the shepherd, They see it will be joy and peace to all mankind. It's not for one or for the other, but the fact of the matter is Jesus is for everyone. He is for everyone. There's not a certain social class you have to be a part of. There's not a a, a race that you have to be a part of. There's not a, a group of people or a subgroup of people that were only ever intended for the gospel, but Jesus came for all people from all walks of life, from either side of the tracks, Jesus came for all. He came for all. And if we begin to lose that or begin to think otherwise, then we have distorted the gospel. 
If we begin to think otherwise, then we have diminished the story of Jesus. We talk about good news, and the series that we've been walking through is called Good News. And the purpose we call it Good News is because the good news is the gospel. The good news is that Jesus came. Because it's not just that we celebrate the birth, but that we celebrate the beginning of the salvation plan that God had laid out for all mankind. For all mankind. And being aware of my time, the last thing is this. He came to be our deliverer. He came for all, but specifically, he came for you. He came for you. If you were the only person, and I've heard this said, and I don't mean to say this as a cliche, but it is the reality and it is the truth of the love of Jesus. If you were the only person on the face of the planet, he would have done it for you. Plain and simple. When we begin to individualize and personalize the fact that Jesus loves me enough that he would die for me. It changes our scope and our perspective of the love of Jesus. Christ died for you, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that we could have salvation, so that we could have forgiveness. Here's what it says in in, in Romans 3.23. It it explains this. All of us are sinners, no matter how good we are as people, we are all sinners. Some of us are really good sinners. Some of us are really bad sinners. We are all sinners, no matter how you look at it, one way or the other. It says this in Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means that our sin is what separates us from God. God cannot be in the presence of sin. It doesn't work with his glory. And so when we have sin, when sin enters the world, when Adam and Eve first sin, sin enters the world, all of a sudden there is this separation and sacrifice has to be made. Something has to be offered to be given up to, to, to atone for our sins. And so in 3.23 here, it says that for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then if you go to Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Our due penalty because of the sin in our life, because of the sin in our life, the due penalty, what we deserve is death. And that's not just me. That's not just, that is every single person on the face of the planet. We are all sinners and our due penalty is death. But I love that Paul didn't stop there and just leave it. He then says, oh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What does that mean? That means when Jesus came to this earth, when he gave up his full deity life in heaven and he said, I will take on the flesh of man and walk this earth. I will come to the earth and I will be man and I will be God and I'll be in one form and I will give up my life for the sins of those on earth so that through me they might find grace and forgiveness and only in me will they have salvation. So he says the gift of God is eternal life. Here's what's so great about this is that it's not about anything you can do. And I've shared this before. There was an evangelist who had spoke and the man comes up to him afterwards and said, what must I do to be saved? What can I do to be saved? And the evangelist just turns to him straight face and says, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. And the man heartbroken going, oh, I miss it. He goes, because Jesus did it all for you. 
There's nothing more you can do to add to or take away from salvation. It's just a simple turning to him and a repentant heart that says, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I don't want anything else but you. I want to turn from what I was, from who I was, and I want to give my life to you. And it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I want to invite the worship team to join me. I told you I would try to keep it short and concise this morning because the point and the purpose of this message today was very, very simple to point to Jesus and to point to the gospel and to point to the fact that Jesus came for you and I. He came specifically for each and every one of us individually. To think that while he hung on the cross, taking my sin and your sin, hanging in shame in front of all of those there that were mocking him, hurling their insults, he clung to that cross because of his love for you and I. He clung to the cross because of his love for you and I. And this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take just a moment to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. This morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor Ryan, I have never given my life to Jesus. or I've, 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 Maybe I said the prayer, but the reality is, is I never truly lived it out. I never really meant it. It, it was never a, a real connection where I had the realization and the understanding that I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And that apart from Christ, there's no hope for me. And let me tell you this, friend, listen, listen, that is not just you. That is every single one of us. That's not to single any person out. That's not to make you feel bad about what you've done. Or who, that's just the reality of the situation that we are all sinners and it is only by the grace of God that we have salvation. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.